Greetings from the Crucial Conversationville. This is Brian with the Crucial Conversation. <laughs> well, last episode of 2020. This is kind of hard to believe. It's well, weird. we didn't, we weren't faithful with it this year because this virus was just terrible, man. But and that, Tony dropped the ball on it. So oh stop. So here we are, going into uh, the year 2021. It's easy to drop the ball when you're the only one doing stuff. <laughs> I am at a loss. <laughs> and so, back to get us on topic, what we're talking about today is, this is a coming up new year, 2021, talking about some stimulus checks might be coming your way, and hey, if you get that stimulus check, I got a great way you can spend it, and that is by getting a new heating and air conditioning unit in your home by contacting Matt Anderson at Anderson Heat and Air. Tell me about it. Matt Anderson, we we always plug his company, but we know this guy personally. We do know him personally. Tell, tell me a little bit why we like him to be our sponsor. Well, the thing is, is he does good quality work. I know personally because he has done several different things for us, and then of course we we do know him on a on a personal level. Been guest at his house several times, all the time. Played him in a game of spades once or twice. But Matt Anderson, it, hey, we live in America. We live in a country that honors uh, quality work. And there's a free exchange of goods and services. And so here it is. This is person has a service that he's willing to provide to you to change the heating and the cooling unit in your home. Not just a service, but a good service. It's a great service. It is uh, 1-870-664-1967 to get a hold of Nat Anderson so he can come in and he can take care of all your heating and air needs and provide his work to you, his trade to you. Also, um, I know Christmas just came up, but I don't know if you know this or not, but they're not taking Christmas off the calendar. Christmas is still coming up. It may be 360-something days from now, but Christmas is still coming. And not only that, but you might have an anniversary like I do next week or a birthday like I do next week. or um, Stop plugging that. Or anything like that. I'm not asking for happy birthdays or nothing, but I'm just saying it might be a little bit nice. But what you can do is, if you want to get a gift for someone special in your life, you already know, the Drifted Drum Company. We, we talk about it all the time. You're going to love it. She's got a book, No Mess, No Message. That book is going to encourage you. Uh, she's done all kinds of different things, like the Path to uh, Purpose Leadership Conferences. She's got all kinds of stuff going on, Dr. April Jones. And you know that in uh, her website is thedrifteddrumcompany.com. You can go there and you can use a promo code, Crucial. 2020. Yeah, 20% and, off. But wait, wait, wait. She texted me earlier, Brian. Tell me about it. She is selling the remainder of her product that is in her warehouse at her cost. Ooh. So it's bigger than 20% off. You just got to use promo code CRUCIAL2020 and get that discount. Make sure you take advantage of that. I'm tired of throwing people these offers and they don't take advantage of it. It's a shame that you wouldn't take advantage of such a sweet deal. Making me sick as a dog. I just checked this temperature. Fact check, true. And so, <laughs> and so, and of course, we had to talk about another sponsor, Sheila Texter. But let's, who, let's. Oh, we're going to talk about that one for the next little bit because yes. she's our guest on this episode. Yes. She and her husband, they pastor church in Blyville, Arkansas. They started it a few years ago. Church is doing very well, as well as any church can do right now because we got this pandemic thing going on. Other than that, everything's on the tip-top magoo. But stop and, being on the fence. Go to Amazon.com and order her book. Brian, what's it called? Uh, we're about to find out. Stay tuned. 
Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. If I mess up, you will have to forgive me because your daughter-in-law, someone told me her name was Texler, and my entire life since I've known of her, that's always how I've associated the last name. So if I accidentally call you Sheila Texler, it's, it is because someone put that in my head a long time ago, and I found myself every now and then messing up. So, but we are privileged to have one of our sponsors for quite a while now, Sheila Texter, on the the podcast today to discuss at length her new book that came out just a few months ago about new beginnings and and about life after the mistake. And and I'm excited about this interview. And I do have to say to to you, Sheila, that um, you're a bit of an anomaly in that uh, you are... Um, part of what sometimes is marginalized as a group. You are not only a lady preacher, but have been divorced in the past. And historically, people in your situation, for either one of those reasons, tends to be uh, put on the outside of ministry and outside of the qualifications and who can effectively be a leader and a minister, and and of course you are a pastor's wife, and at the end of your book you talk at length about building your church, purchasing your land, and and the visions of God's callings that He put in your life, and and you like I said, but you you are a little bit different. So uh, with that, it's very interesting for me, and I want to hear a little bit of of your story today uh, that you discuss not only in the book, but I'm sure you have given in testimonies. Uh, around our country, and I just want to open this up to you to uh, introduce yourself to our listeners a little better. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Oh, thank you both so much, brothers. Let me say, before I begin, too, that I appreciate y'all allowing me to be on your podcast, and I am also very, uh, very honored to be with y'all and I think that what y'all are doing are, is so powerful. And before I go on into more of me, I wanted to tell you, I know you didn't ask me, but I do want to let you know that Sister uh, Farah Easter, Farah, Farah Easter Bear was yep. my favorite. <laughs> she was actually the first one that I heard somebody sent it to me. And that was the first I'd even heard about y'all. And then I began to actually share that podcast with other friends and said, you know, check this out. Because I thought, man, they are touching things that people don't want to touch. They are speaking and talking about things that we'd rather just sweep it under the rug and let's just don't address it. Let's don't talk about it. Let's just hope that it goes away. And I just want to say that. I admire what y'all are doing. It takes a lot of guts and courage, but I believe that you've got a lot of people standing behind you that are saying, hey, y'all are, y'all are doing a great thing, and I want to thank you for that. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, these 
things we need to discuss aren't going away. Right, might as well talk talk about them because there's still going to be an issue whether we talk about them or not. Well, well, like I'm sure we'll discuss here in just a moment, divorce. It is a reality that it is affects 50% of marriages, I believe, or whatever the percentage yes. is. This is not just some mythical thing that happens in some distant country. This is something that uh, probably a large majority of the people that were listen that are listening, either have felt this pain, or their parents have gone through it, or they have a sibling that goes through it, or they it. may be going through it. Yeah, Tony and I both have sisters that have been divorced. Every one of my aunts and uncles on both my dad and mom's side have all been divorced, except for my parent. My parents are the only ones that have not. It affects so many people. Why? not talk about it. Exactly, exactly. And of course you wrote about it. I did, I did. And with, I, I'm not going to go way back because I don't want to bore nobody with childhood from Dice, Arkansas and all this and that. I will say that I have been married. My first marriage was 19 years. I was married, my, uh, my first marriage was 19 years to my ch- children's uh, father and they're, you know, everybody's still alive. And so I always respect my children because they is their father. I never, you know, try to downgrade him in front of them or around them. They just know that we have, we could not be together. But I, I want to kind of go into why I wrote the book that I wrote. You know, I would read a lot of books. I, I would read over the years and I would listen to testimonies and every time that I would read a book or hear a testimony it was always that person that got hurt they were needing to forgive their betrayer they were needing to forgive the person that hurt them and every time I would hear that I would clinch because I would feel their pain and it was like I was reliving the pain that I had caused my own family and my friends and I was like where are the people that are hurting people we are hearing about all the people that are needing to forgive this one needing to forgive that one and a lot a lot of even y'all's podcast have been uh, guests that have been hurt, that got punched, even in the church, by their companions, by their church families, whatever, and they've managed to somehow get up, go on, forgive, and I love them all. I really, truly love them all, but I always had to stand back and felt like, God, where do we stand, the ones that have thrown the punches? Where do we stand, the ones that have caused the hurt and caused the pain? What do we do with that? And that probably was in my spirit for two or three years. And around 2018, I would say the Lord dropped the title to this book in my spirit, Life After the Mistake. Can I jump in you right know, here and before, yes, you sir, get, before you get too much further past this point? This is one of the things that stood out to me when I was reading your book and that 
early on whenever you talk about some of your experiences, it shocked me in that I realized, and I thought about this at, since I'm reading the book, about how we, and you mentioned it on this podcast, we tend to have the victims on. Or, it's right. like, let's say in the context of divorce, we have the person that is traditionally known as the innocent party on. They're the ones that got cheated on. They're the ones that, to no fault of their own, there was adultery in their marriage. But you, you were open in your book enough to say that you weren't just a victim, but you yourself shared some guilt. And it, and it shocked me because we, this is one of those things that even Tony and I were, even though you bragged on us for talking about things, we haven't talked about this. Right. But you had the boldness too, so I'm sorry to, 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 to inter- no, interrupt. Okay. But even in, even in your book, when you have some letters in here, you have letters from the person that was betrayed and from the betrayer and have portrayed both aspects of this. It's very interesting. Yes, sir. Like I say, it's just where sometimes we just see the one side. And I have been on both sides of the spectrum. In the book, you will, people that purchase the book and read the book, they will see that I share with them. I have been the victim. I have been the person that laid on the couch, the wife that laid on the couch with her face toward the wall, praying that God help me make it through this night because my companion was out uh, cheating on me or had left me for another uh, woman. You know, I have been there. And you would think that when it came my time to make that choice, that I would have been more knowledgeable of that. And I was, but then in a sense, I didn't want to be. You know how we are. When we want to do something, we kind of push all sense of um, what we should do. We'll push it to the back of our mind. So we can, because there's no secret when the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. He, that's not lying. That's the truth. That's the Bible. So we are foolish if we say there's no pleasure in sin because there is. There is pleasure in sin. The Bible uh, clearly lets us know that. But I felt like I needed to write this book from the person that failed, from the person that hurt my friend, from the person that hurt my church, from the person that was the other woman, so to speak. But I wanted, and by no means, if you read the book, you'll see, I'm not trying to make an excuse for that sin. I'm just letting people know that before we judge them, before we size them up, we need to sometimes realize where they're coming from. What what brought them to that place? What brought them to a place that they would go that far? You know, in the old saying, it may be cliche, but hurt people will hurt people. And things that you went through and things that you've seen you will begin to fall into those into those same traps if you're not careful. So I, I want to jump in. To... I'd like to jump in real quick as well, if that's okay. 
Um, so I, I listen to this uh, sermon about once a year, the same sermon every year. And this minister that's preaching during the sermon was talking about um, hurt people like you were just talking about. Um, I want you to give some advice to some people out there that's kind of like this. What, when the, when the, the, this preacher was preaching, he said that he, he was doing a counseling session with this person that, um, who her husband had just walked out on her. And she said, I don't understand how he could leave me, how he could walk out on me. He just gave me roses for our 10-year anniversary three weeks ago. And my, the, 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 the counselor began to say, what about those roses let you think that, that your husband was happy? When does this, in your point of view, uh, Sheila, when is it, is it time to, to find help early on? Or is it something that, you know, you don't know until the last minute, then all, all hope is lost? Well, I have to say, from my experience, I knew from the beginning when the enemy started to dangle everything I wanted in front of me. Here, I had done been in church for probably about 20 years. I got the Holy Ghost when I was 18. Here, I was 30-something years old. But I can tell you right now, that where it came in was letting down on prayer, not praying like I needed to pray. Even now, even into my second marriage, I look back into my first marriage and I see where I could have been a better wife. I could have been a better uh, prayer warrior, you know. Now, I will tell you that I know of some in the church world so to speak, that they have been adulterers. They have been for years. They're always messing around. Now, that's I'm not necessarily talking about them, but I promise you, when you start kind of being pulled that way, honey, they're there. Right. They're right in front of your face because the devil knows that he is weakening you. And I tell a lot of people that they don't, some people don't grasp it, especially if they've never been on the outside looking in. To me, the church is a very vulnerable place that when you come together in a building, brick and mortar, not much as now as it was then, but when you come in there, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 people, you come into this atmosphere where you feel like I'm in my safe place I can kind of let my guard down in here and I can tell you nine or ten out of nine or ten people will share intimate things with their friends inside that assembly there might be two or three people in there that know things about you that nobody else knows because you come to trust those people you come and you kind of let your guard down and you're, and you're vulnerable. But what I see as a single woman, when, when I was single, divorced, for the few years I was divorced, even when I was married, when coming from a somewhat of an abusive relationship, then going into the church and seeing what I thought 
was every woman's dream. There was this perfect couple. There was this man of God and his wife, and all they had it going on. You know, in your mind, they got everything you would ever want. I wish I could have a husband like that, or I wish I could have a wife like that. And, and you don't know really what goes on behind the scenes. You don't know how much hell and chaos is in their homes. Because when we're taught, when we come to the church, we put on our game faces, we put on our best, which, you know, we are, we should come there with a reverence and a respect. But I do feel like sometimes we come and we come deceiving people from single women, single guys, uh, broken women and broken men that are married and maybe their spouses don't come to church with them. But they'll come into that atmosphere and they will see these couples together and think, that's what I want. You know, I wish my life could be like that. When we really, we really don't know what their lives are really like. All we're seeing is what they're bringing to the church house and how they're performing behind the pulpit or on the music or even in the pews. Right. So we, we cannot ignore that, that that's not a vulnerable place. And we will shoot. People are ready to shoot the ones that fall, the ones that uh, will cheat. But I always say that whatever it took for you to get your companion, when you courted them, whether it's male or female, I'm talking to both um, genders today. And I may say she because I'm a woman, but I'm, I'm speaking to just the church in general. We, we cannot let down our guard in that area because even though you say, well, this is a safe place, this is where I can come and let down my guard, the Bible says that the devil comes also, you know. He, he comes right in there and he'll sit right down beside you and he'll put thoughts in your mind about those uh, other people there. That's right. And you and you will begin to if you and if you don't stay prayed up, you will begin to let your mind wander there. And I have seen several well not seen. Let me uh, back up. Sometimes pastors' wives may fall into um, adultery. What's going on there? What's going on, Brother Tony? You know, all, at first we just want to say, why would why would she do that? Or even the man, why would he do that? Okay, what is going on at home? Are they leaving them? Now, I may be going, stepping beyond my boundaries, but I say to every pastor out there, don't leave your wife unguarded. She is, she's yours, y'all are one. You should not leave that unguarded. You should not be so consumed into the work of the Lord that you forsake that. You forsake what God has allowed you to have, the good thing. What do you mean by unguarded? Um, let's see. You mean, what do I mean by guarded? Leaving her unguarded. Unguarded. Well... For instance, uh, it don't matter whether it's an evangelist, a pastor, whatever. If you get so consumed in 
the church things and uh, you are always in I don't know you, you just got to make sure that you keep that relationship with your wife or your husband you got to make sure that that communication and that love doesn't start to deteriorate because you're so consumed into uh, you can even say the work of God right you know it seems we like have to um, balance that it seems like ministry has always had a target on their back because um, the enemy will attack those who are trying to make that change and they will take any advantage possible that's why uh, whenever my dad or my previous pastor or our current pastor they they whenever they um, counsel with people they don't just do it one on one if it's a female you know because they're guarding their heart you know because the enemy can use anything we we saw in the bible uh, where they where the enemy used a donkey you know god can use the donkey i mean there's there's so many different things that can be used, so don't tell me that, you know, things can't come out of craziness, you know, with uh, the story of Balaam and, uh, you know, anything can be used, and that's why you always need to, to have your guard up. I agree completely with what you're saying, you know, leaving your family and your wife unguarded. I think Brian was just asking that question for our listeners that may not be aware of something that's, you know, that, that could be that trivial. Well, you can get emotionally attached That's if you're not careful. That's correct. Yeah, exactly. You know, when that person falls, you know, what, what's going on in their home? There, there has to be something that has been left undone to make that person. I'm not talking about the person that has that spirit that it has been doing it for 40 years. I'm talking about... When they when it just blows everybody away when it happens, you know how did that happen? I thought they were thus thus and thus. Well, somewhere somebody, you know, even the person that fell, of course, let their guard down. And usually it starts with not praying like you need to pray, and staying where you need to stay with God. And if you are having, He will make sure that you see all those other people that you think got it going on and my one of the things that I love about the Bible and about God <laughs> when he uh, instructed for the Bible to be written he pulled no punches he pulled no punches and I will let you know that even though they've not said it to my face I've had some people that I don't know if you say ridiculed or they threw their little comments out in different post because that I wrote this book and I shared some things that were my failures were but I thought now if God had not shared the things that happened in the Bible we would feel like we were lost we we, st- we would stand no chance exactly if we didn't have the if we, we didn't have the story of David falling into adultery and then having Bathsheba's husband killed and then you got Tamar, Judah's daughter-in-law that disguised herself as a harlot and Judah slept with her and but yet from that child came the Christ child you know 
And then you got Lot's daughters that basically got him drunk and slept with him. And says, I'm, there's, some, there's some messed up stuff in the Bible. But if we start telling it, if we start telling some of our mess stuff, oh, sh- sh- let no, Eric, let's let's don't uncover anything that God's put under the blood. Uh, so I've said this, know. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Um, whenever I look to somebody for help on something I'm dealing with, I I don't I don't necessarily believe that. Um, you've not dealt with something yourself, so don't tell me you haven't, because then I feel insecure. That's why we do what we do, is because there's so many people out there that struggle, that need help. And woe me that God would put me through something that I can give a testimony about that could help somebody, but my pride won't let me do it, or my, my self-ambition or arrogance won't let me do it. There, I, I truly believe there's a reason why we should... Um, why, why God puts us through these things. And for the people that try to quiet God's testimonies, I, I can't handle that. I cannot handle when when people get upset. Like, Brian and I, we've had some hate emails because of the... Oh, the, I'm sure you have. Because uh, of the stories that we tell. And you know Joey what? we had a 30-minute conversation wanting us to take an episode down. Yeah, for real. We had somebody contact us about wanting, them, wanting us to take down an episode. And, you know, I'm not going to shut the the mouths of God's testimonies because it intimidates you and and shame on those people that are offended by us telling our testimonies by the spoken word. I almost tried to talk Tony into taking Ferris down because of the criticism we got. Right. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But but you know, she's she's a voice for all the people that have been done like that and have been pushed aside you know and like I say I know that I'm coming I'm coming in from the other door I'm coming in the door that I'm the one that hurt the person and that's what I say I would talk to God about it I mean for several years I would cry and I would pray and I would ask God to forgive me and he let me know one day you don't have to keep bringing that up Sister Sheila I, I forgave you when you asked me to forgive you. I knew you was going to fall. I feel like a lot of times when these kind of things happen, it's really a heart. It's a heart thing. I really believe that with all my heart. Because even though I had failed, and if God would have came during that time, I wouldn't have made it. I would have died lost. But every night that I would lay my head on my pillow, I would say, God, don't let me die like this. Mm-hmm. Don't let me die like this. Let me make it back to you. You know, you know, I want to live for you. I just want what everybody else has got. Now, this was in my. This was probably twenty something years ago now, but at that time, that's the way I talked to God. God, I, I just wanted what everybody else has got, you know, and and the devil knew on the uh, by no means, like I said. I prayed and prayed and prayed about my book. I prayed about this broadcast, this podcast, because I said, God, don't let me uh, mention or talk or speak anything that you don't want me to speak. And that's the way the book was written as well. I had people that, now this was what I had. I had people contacted me 
and they was like, I can't say that they would say that they said they were disappointed. They were just expecting more than what I put in the book. And so I didn't say that nothing really to them, but I told my husband, I said, that right there lets me know that I achieved what I needed to achieve. But then I had 50 others messaging me saying, I've been where you've been. I'm so thankful that you wrote this book. And, you know, it, it might not have been in adultery or failure like that, but maybe they failed in other areas after they come to God. And so it just helped them to realize that failure wasn't final and that God's not up there with this hammer or the stick ready to beat us down. If anything, he is waiting on us to, like the sun and the pig pen, for us to come to ourselves and say, hey, I, I, got, I can't be like this. I've got to do something about this situation. And so that's where I, I found myself at. But you know the book in the book of Romans eleven twenty nine, it says the gifts and callings of God they are without repentance. That's right. And I always say ninety percent of the Bible is written to the church. It's not written to the sinners. It's written to the church. And so if God put a gift in you, and God put a calling in you, just because you messed up or you failed. I don't care whether it was adultery, whether it was lying, whether it was uh, stealing, or maybe you was taking money from the church, whatever it was, whatever the reason or whatever the mistake was, if you truly repent and you quit doing that, then God forgives. Now, am I saying that it's, you know, that you won't, that you won't pay? No, look at David. Ask David. (laughs) You know, you will reap what you sow. David didn't get by with that. It costed him. It costed him the rest of his life. He said, my sins are ever before me. There was a lot of bloodshed in his family. The son that he conceived with Bathsheba died. But but look, what happened next? Then he has Solomon, the wisest man, you know, through Bathsheba, the woman that he committed adultery with. So don't, I tell you, I want to tell people, get your mouth, get your mouth off of God's job. (laughs) Get your mouth off of people because it's not you that's, that's setting these people up and setting them down. You may do that, but they, sometimes they're doing it in their own, they're doing it in their flesh because God's not doing that. Now I do believe sometimes we need to, to be set down, you know, there needs to be a time, but Who's to say what? How much time it is, Brother Tony? Right. We're not God. You know. So, so uh, that's something that Brian and I talk about quite often to a lot of our guests because we do talk with and we do deal with a lot of broken, hurt people. Is that we've all made mistakes, and that's why I love the title of your book so much. But we've all made mistakes. But who are we as a man? to disqualify who's God's qual- called and qualified himself. 
So why is it that we are allowed to do that? And I'm so thankful for people like you that stand up against that theory that once you've made a mistake, your ministry's over. Or once you've felt victim or once you've been a victim to something that the enemy has put in your way, you no longer have a right to be a minister or ministry or have any anything to do with leading people. You must just come to church and always be that one that fell just a little bit short. And that is something yeah. that's something that... I mean, it's my biggest argument with the church itself is God restores, God heals, God comforts. And yet we we still haven't learned the lesson as a body that men and women can still minister after falling victim to things. And many yeah. times, who's better? Exactly. Yes, exactly, because it, it does better you. Now, if it doesn't better you, if you if you don't learn from your mistake, then, you know, some, that's not good. But 90% of the time, some of your most powerful speakers, men and women of God, are the ones that have failed and have been able to pick themselves up and come on back into the ministry and face the ridicule and face the, the you know, I, I know what it is for to be... To be in, to go into an assembly, into a building where churches are gathered together, and you feel that kind of, you don't see their hand, but you kind of feel that hand that uh, it's kind of got you just a little bit at a little bit distance, you know, mm -hmm. and you may not hear what they're saying, but oftentimes the Lord lets me know in my spirit that things are being said and I'm being looked at in a certain way. But I promise you, and I may be a, a little bit arrogant in it, I'm telling you, I'm so past it. To, uh, I mean, I'm just past it, you know, because about five years ago, me and my husband will be here in Blyville three years this coming February, and about three years before that, God began to tell me, and it's in the book, he began to speak to me and tell me we wouldn't always be where we were. You know, and I was like, what do you mean, God? So for like about three years, it was nothing for God to speak to me three or four times a week. And it was usually anywhere from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and I would, you know, and I would say to God, um, God, you, why are you talking to me? <laughs> I thought that it would just be good that I was forgiven and I could just you know, be here, and I could just be a good saint, and live for God, and, you know, he was just steady speaking to me, steady telling me things, and just, it was just month after month, and like I said, about three years, three years, God did not let nobody speak into my life but him, and I questioned that, I said, you know, I was going to conferences, I was traveling at least two or three times a year, just going, I was searching for that word. I just wanted God to speak to me. You know how we are? We go thinking, you know, we wouldn't dare tell nobody that. But we go to that church because we know that they call people out. Yeah. You know, we're going to go and we're going to visit and maybe they'll call. And, you know, in your mind, you're looking for that word. And well, some of us are. Two years, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of us may not want that word. Exactly. You know? But, you know, when you're searching for that, when you're searching for, like, that answer, like, you know, okay, God, 
what are you wanting me to do? Where are you taking me? You know, so you're kind of looking for that is what I, I guess I meant by that. Right. But after about two years of it, I was like, God, you know, and I would go and, oh, they would call out my friends and they would call out this one. And, man, they would get some powerful word. And I would go home just so disappointed, you know. And God said, I'm not allowing nobody to speak into your life because I don't want you to hear from nobody but me. Because mm-hmm. I'm fixing to take you somewhere. You're fixing to do some things. And I don't want nobody messing that up. <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, then that's fine. And so, I often say, and I said one day, maybe I will preach the message. I often mention it at our church that some when people try to say that God can't use me or God can't use my husband, I often say, somebody forgot to tell God. That's right. Somebody forgot to tell God to don't be talking to me in the middle of the night. Somebody forgot to tell God not to be uh, ministering to me. You know, <laughs> like I say, again, we, we need to be careful because so many people are putting themselves in God's place. And they're trying to bring judgment. And they're trying to say, well, this is what can happen and this is what can't happen. But that's, that's not their place. I do believe in balance. I do believe in um, reverence. or you, you just can't let anything go because you've got an assembly. A pastor can't just let anything go because he's got sheep in there. And he's got saints that he's over. And he's going to be accountable for them. So I, now I'm not saying that, that he should just back up and say anything can go. But I believe everybody understands what I'm saying, you know, in, in this podcast about that. For sure. So you said that God would speak to you about 2 to 4 o'clock in the morning. There's two points that I want to talk about that. The first point is, don't you wish God had an alarm clock that worked better than that? And second of all, <laughs> <laughs> second of all, does does God speak audibly to you or does he speak through... Um, dreams or does he speak through signs how does God talk to you Sheila well I wouldn't say audible I can't say that I've ever heard an audible voice it's just like I would be half asleep and half awake and it's like this thought or these words would drop into my spirit drop into my heart into my mind and it would be, and then within the few days, it would begin to manifest, and he would begin to show me things and give me witnesses to those things. Because once God opened that door to where I could be ministered to, or, or me and my husband was ministered to together, it was like everything that God told me in those three years, in those wee hours of the morning, those those prophets and those preachers were speaking those things over us or over me. And so I was like, wow, God, you're so good to shelter me like that, to, you know, to keep me protected until it was time, you know, until it was time for me to hear it from the prophet's voice, to come to confirm what God had been speaking to me. But, yeah, I would say mainly, mainly just it would come into my spirit and I'd be half asleep and half awake and, and that phrase or that quote, whatever it was he dropped in my mind, 
I would wake up with it. It was like I would wake up with that in me, and uh, it would follow me and be with me all that day. Sometimes two or three days, it would be with me, and, and that's how he speaks to me. I can't say dreams. I'm not big. I'm a dreamer, but I don't remember a lot of my dreams. But when I do remember them, it is usually something that God is wanting me to pay attention to. And so I do remember one particular dream during those three years. I was like in some water. And uh, I don't know if anyone's ever been across the big lake bridges, but there's, of course, they got new bridges now. But there is like some these big old leaves that float around on the water, kind of. Well, I was in that kind of water, and I was trying to get up and get up. And a snake come up and bit me on my hand. And But it's like it couldn't get its fangs in me. It's, it's like its mouth was there, but it couldn't bite down all the way. Mm. And when I, when I woke up from that, God told me, he said, the enemy can bite, and he is biting you, but he cannot put his fangs in you. He cannot put his poison in you because I've got you. I've got you covered. So I'm telling you, if you're sincere, if you have failed God, it's in adultery, whatever, and you make your way back to him and you're earnest and you ask God to forgive you and you repent and you prove yourself. I'm not going to say that, that I didn't have to prove myself because you do. You don't really have to prove yourself to God, but you do have to prove yourself to your church family, to maybe the ones that you hurt, you know, they're looking. And, they're, and you may say, well, it doesn't really matter. And to a certain extent, it doesn't matter. But then also we want a good report. Right. The Bible does, you know, admonish us to have a good report within and without. And so you do kind of have to prove yourself to God and to man that you have made amends and that you're going in the right direction and you're not there to hurt nobody. You're not there to tear nobody down and and I, like I say, this book probably took two years of writing. And uh, y'all, of course, know my friend April Jones. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who uh, listens to the podcast yeah. knows her. <laughs> yes. And it, like I say, when God, it's like God just began to connect the dots. I mean, when I, I said, God, how am I going to write this? How am I going to write this story? He said, you just start writing it and I'm going to help you. And that's what I did. And as he brought April into my life through Facebook, I actually sent her the, the uh, Sister Ferris uh, podcast with y'all. I sent it to her during the writing of my book. I said, listen to this. I sent it to her. I said, listen to this. They're talking about hard stuff. And I said, because, you know, because we've always been taught. You just leave that stuff alone. Don't talk about that. Don't bring that up. Just leave it alone. Leave it in the past. You know, it's in the sea of forgetful, uh, for, forgetfulness. And I do understand that. I really do. But I do know that I have enough confidence in the walk that I have with God. Guys, plumb up to that book was already finished and had a book cover. I was still laying in my bed praying about it plumb up till the first of the year of this year and it was you know being still being edited but I would say to God God if you tell me right now 
to leave it alone. I will back up and I won't, I won't publish it. I'll leave it alone and I'll just write something else. I'll go at a different angle. But he, I'm telling you what he told me. It was in November of last year in 2019. He said, it was one of them four o'clock morning things, proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. So I wrote in April Jones, she helped me with, with this book. And so she kind of smoothed out some of the edges, you know, because I'm, I'm, I wasn't a writer. I wasn't very knowledgeable in writing. I was just telling my story. And so she would come in and she would reword it for me. He would still make the same statement, but she would reword it in a way that it wouldn't be offensive or that it would, that people would understand it better, that I didn't seem like I was just trying to spill the beans or tear anybody down or even mess up or even tear my own reputation down. So I'm telling you, Brother Tony, I'm, you know, this is a big thing to step out and say, hey, I did this and I did it while I was in church. I'm ashamed of it. It took me probably 10 years to pull back up out of it. But slowly, 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 I did get up out of it. And and God has richly, richly blessed us and brought us to here to Blaba, Arkansas, you know, pastoring, doing a work, and, and we're seeing God do great things. We had about 30 people coming until the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah, that thing's been crazy, hasn't it? Yes, yes. But we're not we're not discouraged though, Brother Tony, because we know we know these are these are the days of Elijah. You know, these are, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And that's where your relationship has got to be beyond that building. Right. That's where we're at right now. Right, for sure. So what do you and your husband have going on in the future? Tell us a little bit about that because we know everything that you've gotten through in your life to this point. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys have vision for Blyville. Well, most people, if they follow us any at all, my husband wants the price chopper building that's here in Bible. It's been empty for probably 20 years. We know how much they want for it. They want a million dollars for the building. But my husband's like, that don't even bother me. He said, because God told me, go and buy without money. We are wanting to, you know, and I'm not trying to, and I, I don't feel like I would offend nobody. But, you know, when we when President Trump first came, it's like, make America great again. That's what me and my husband come to Blyville. And Brother Tony, your, your mother-in-law and them, they were from Blyville. Right. And at one time, even in my younger days, like 27 years ago, Blyville was a thriving city. It had a lot of good businesses and a lot of things going on for it. And you still have a handful of remnant people here that would like to see Bible great again, that would like to see it pull up out of this, uh, you know, as being named one of the worst cities. You know, I think y'all mentioned that one time in one of your uh, podcasts, I think, with your mother-in-law. Yeah. That it's like number 10 or something like that, you know. So we know the enemy has came in. And we've been told by several other pastors that they know without a doubt God has brought us here and led us here to do a work 
And we would like to take that and make a Christian school. We would like to have some seminars. We would like to take people and teach them the Word of God and bring them from zeros to heroes. Let them see from, from poverty to, to live in a better life. You know, there, there's better life. You don't have to stay in that poverty. And nobody does, no matter what city you live in. A lot of times, and that's maybe getting off of the subject, but that's some of the things that we have in our mind. Um, we're fixing to be three years over here, and my husband has the Lord. Has just, he ministers to my husband a lot. Uh, my, I would say my husband is a, a prophet. He's an apostle. He's a builder. He builds up, you know, and he believes that God is going to bring some things to pass in our lives in this city. You know, we have grown. Uh, to love the city, even though, yeah, we hear sirens going off. Yeah, we hear shotguns going off. But we also know that God is well aware of those things, too. If they didn't, if there wasn't a need here, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't need to be here. So we, we feel encouraged about being here, no matter how dark the days may look. We're glad to be here. And that's what we're looking for, whether it be a price chopper or whether it be another building. We, we just want to do some things. We want to uh, erect some buildings that would benefit Blyville in some way, say, uh, some form or fashion. And even to this, the book that I wrote about the failure, adultery, I mean, I would love to be able to do some classes on that and go into a deeper thing of how you do garden and how to recognize, to recognize that thing. Because while I was in uh, my first marriage, 19 and almost 20 years, he began to come in and say to me, you've been living for God for these many years. And what it, what it, you've been Miss Goody Two-Shoes, and what's it got you? What's it got you? You know, and so you got to know that enemy's voice. You got to know that's him playing on you. And then you're looking at, church thinking that uh, you're going to church thinking everybody else has got their life together when you know and I'm not saying that they don't but they're also they are also human but anyway so uh, but I mean, my wife oh, I'm sorry go ahead well I was just going to say that um, I published my first book but I also this year published my first devotional uh, it's called the. Uh, it's going to be B devotionals. It's the B E E from the Bumblebee, and my first one is How to Be Prosperous, and I'm planning on making a 12 month series, and they liable to be like how to be intentional, how to be uh, thankful, how to be healed, and that you know, and that kind of line of, of that. I want to do at least 12 over the next couple of years is my plan, and to have you know that going on. I went last year, I took a course online to be a transformational life coach, but um, plan, I'm pushing toward the faith, the faith-based life coach, and my goal is to take people like me that have failed and to um, help them find their guilt, find their purpose, and to activate that thing and begin to move forward in it and not feel like failure is final to to go ahead let that gift 
manifest and move forward in those things. That's, you know, that's one of the things that I'm trying to do. I would love to make some courses. I'd like to build some uh, courses, digital courses, whatever, in that area. Uh, some people know, some people don't know. I have a YouTube channel. It's called uh, Sheila's One Stop Coaching, and the one stop falls under me being an author and a life coach or a faith-based life coach. I share my writing journey. I've been reading out of my life after the mistake book. I put out videos every Wednesday and Friday. I've just got some goals for the Tony, and I feel like, uh, Brother Brian, that whatever, there's, the enemy cannot stop what God has give you if you're willing to put in the work and willing to move forward in it. Right. My wife, her her family, like you said, it's it's meant so much to them, the city of Blyville. Um, you know, because everybody, including you, you you know what it was and what it's become, and you know just a vast difference. And um, yes. we know that it's not a lost harvest, and it does my fam my wife's family's heart's good to know that a ministry will still be continued there. And I want to thank you and your husband for that vision because not very many people want to walk into a city like Blavel and try to change lives. Right. But we want to thank you for doing that. Blavel gets a bad rap, but Benny Bob's barbecue is pretty good. Benny Bob's is pretty good, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I heard they have a Bojangles now. John's yeah, they, doesn't even have that. Yeah, they got Bojangles. I yeah. actually thought about going by. And isn't there a steakhouse that's real good? Yeah, there is a good steakhouse over there. They do have a couple. They have Olympia. Yeah, Olympia is really of course, good. Good old Grecians, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if a few people are looking for a place to live, you can go to Blyville, and we got a good church you can go to. That's right. That's, uh, right. that's right. Yes, sir. Uh, that that is awesome that you guys are going and giving your lives work here in in, in that city. Uh, that, that is such a need, and like Tony said, that it's it's uh, it's a city that's in need, and uh, a lot of people would want to run from that's how you know you're called when you go to a place that nobody wants to go to and uh yes <laughs> and and so that that is awesome and, and we certainly wish you the best so uh we've gone a long time talking about a lot of different outlets um where can as our listeners have heard several times well let's tell them again how can they uh, find your book how can they purchase your book and um, you mentioned your YouTube page. If you'll replug that again, and anything else that you have that uh, people that, need to get a hold of. How can like our listeners emotional. get a hold of your material? Okay. Well, of course, it is on Amazon. Life after the mistake. New beginnings by Sheila Texter. It's paperback and ebook. You can also get it in ebook form. I did that about probably six months ago. And then you, I have some on hand. I probably have about 30 books. If anyone knows me or if they want to contact me, I mean, I'm on Facebook. You can message me, connect with me. I will send it to you through the mail. They're like $15 on um, Amazon. And for like maybe, I think, about eighteen fifty, I could probably send it to you through the mail. It would help me because I would make more money on that. The How to Be Prosperous, it is also on Amazon. You can go on there and look it up. You had you had to spell the B like B E E because I use the bumblebee uh, analogy on that metaphor of the uh, the bumblebee. Or like I say, that's a they can follow me and look me up and find out. I use all those things 
So, um, but thank you so much for taking the YouTube time. Channel, of course, is Sheila's One Stop. I have a website, brothers. I have a website I've had for about a year and a half, but it's it's still being worked on. I'm that's why I'm taking computer classes even now, so I can, um, you know gain more knowledge and be able to sell my books even from my website but until then they can get them from amazon i do have a shipment of the uh, how to be prosperous it's a it's a devotional prayer slash journal you can there's a scripture an insight a prayer and then there's like two call to action questions and then you can journal those will be in, like, um, should be in sometime next week. They have been shipped from Amazon, and I will have them, and they're just $10 a piece. That's awesome. Good deal. Um, you do Toastmasters. I've tried to talk Tony into doing it one time. Would you recommend it? Oh, yes, totally. Um, I'm, in, I'm at the end of my level, and my membership thing will be up in March. So I'm in the Valley of Decision whether to carry it on through the summer, but it has definitely been a, a great tool for me. Communication. I was so blown away by the things that they brought to the table that would cause you to think about how you're speaking. (laughs) And one of the things that they do is they count your, now they don't try to shame you by no means. But it just makes you aware of how you're using these words, the crutch words, the filler words. That was one of the biggest things for me that was an eye-opener. But they have leadership uh, levels. They call them pathways. From leadership pathways to speaking professionally, just communication skills, all kind of things that you can use in your everyday life. But if you ever want to advance in any kind of career or anything like that, you know, it, it really helps in every area. But one of the things that, like I say, that really uh, opened my eyes on some things was they counted your us and your ands and your buts and your so. You know how we will go and uh and uh but so I was like they probably counted a lot on me. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna have to watch my talking when I'm on here doing podcasts. Well, you but those need are to the kind of bombs. things, you know, that they, you know, that they help you with. It's, it's learning to communicate better and be more professional. And when you bring something to people, you're not struggling for your words and you're not doing the and and the uh and the and and the uh. You know what you're bringing and you bring it and people understand, you know, where you're coming from. Right. It's all about being a, a better communicator. Um, so, here at the end, what would your final message be uh, to those that are listening out there that you want them to take away from this conversation and from your life's work? Well, my main thing would be failure's not final. You don't have to live in guilt and shame. Jesus Christ died on the cross for that. Even if you failed after you come to God, I know y'all read my introduction and how we love to talk about how the the ex 
drug addicts, the ex-alcoholics, before they came to God, and I love their testimonies. But there ain't nothing like that one that's come to God, fell away, and then came back. And they didn't just come back, but they come back with a force, and they come back with more experience, and they're able to reach back and help other people. And I say, if I could leave a scripture, I would say to me, you, the whole world, it's in the Bible. If God should mark iniquity, who could stand? Amen. You know? Absolutely. So, uh, again, we thank you for taking some time to talk yes. with us, and we hope that our listeners out there, um, per, of course, purchase your book and and uh, check out some of your materials. I think it would be greatly beneficial. Uh, again, uh, you're, you, in through our written form, have talked about some things that tend not to be talked about and um, for a variety of reasons. Some people are uncomfortable. Some people um, have been taught certain certain ways and they have certain uh, preconceived notions about certain circumstances. And so it's, it's not really discussed, but you have written a book that I certainly believe can bring encouragement and hope to someone that there is a future, that the, that the uh, mistakes are not final. And that there is life after the mistake. That's right. And and then, um, of course, as your book also is titled, there is a new beginning that can happen. People can have fresh starts, fresh hope, a new day. And um, I, I think that that is an important lesson that people in the church learn about others, that they can still have a life since what you knew about them years ago. Um, in in the book, you talk at length. There's a story of of some individuals that um, have gone through divorce and infidelity and and different things like this, and how they went to church and how people had to reconcile. And we talked about that today. People, even your enemy, can change. Even your enemies yes. can have a new beginning. And I think as people who have been forgiven and have been redeemed, we should expect that just as much as we can be changed and we can be forgiven, the person that did us wrong can also be changed and they can also be forgiven. Yes, sir. Hey guys, this is Brian and I'm Tony and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation podcast.